Welcome to Adventures in ESL Podcast, a podcast for K-12 ESL teachers who want to learn strategies and tips for planning for their English language learners. I am Millie and I will be your host on this ESL adventure. I did. I dropped in some links. These are just some examples of I shared in the comments of how I'm helping my students log in and to some of the apps. So this is just an example I had put in there for you all to see in the comments because I know a lot of questions are how am I getting my uh, how do I get my students logged in? So if you see those comments in there or in the comments those links, that is just an example which I'll talk more about. So I'm going to go ahead and get started today. Once again, I want to thank you all for showing up on this Saturday and being here as we dive into some more questions about how you can support your ELLs during this pandemic. And um, I know a lot of us have recently heard that school is closed for the rest of the year or that you're going to be doing virtual learning for the remainder of the school year. And you're just wondering, how do I support my students? So just a couple of things in the box and here, I know a lot of people couldn't join Facebook because they don't have Facebook or, um, you know, they couldn't make it last earlier this week. But there is the great thing about this tool is <laughs> the great thing about this tool is that you can answer questions in the question box and then I'll see it and then I can start answering. That's really helpful for someone who watches this on a replay. So if you see in the box, ask a question, um, you can go ahead and drop that in the comment box and then I'll definitely get to those for you as well, okay? <laughs> so once again, let's go ahead and get started. Once I'm happy you all are here to show up. If you have any questions, definitely feel free to answer those in the comment box, okay? Now, the first question that um, I've been getting a lot are, what are some tech tools that, you, uh, that your ELLs can use during this time? And I start off by saying, this is really important. It just depends on how much tech you or how much or what kind of access your students have to technology. In my case, like I've mentioned before, there's very limited access. Most of my students just have access to a phone, a cell phone. So and the second thing is just being overwhelmed. There's I'm appreciative, but there are just so many free resources out there right now. So many tech companies and, you know, like BrainPop, for example, are just offering free resources for students, which is great. On the flip side of that, it can be overwhelming. So I've been sticking to about two to three that I wanna share with you all that have always really been free. The first one is Quizlet. Somebody mentioned in the last, last uh, Q&A how they're using Quizlet and I thought about it and I'm like, yeah, it's a great tool that you can set up your students on, you can set up usernames for them, you can uh, upload things, you can do it in their native language, you can do vocabulary words, you can even have a, um, a text and then have a Quizlet quiz on it afterwards. So that is a really good, simple tool that you can use for your students. Right now, I am so happy that this is free and like I cannot stress enough, if you all have not joined Nearpod, I would suggest that you do it, it's free. They have a library of over 400 lessons for ELLs in uh, science, math, and English, and social studies. And they have vocabulary lessons. All the students need is a phone. They log in, you have a code, and they log in, and it takes them through a self-paced lesson. 
this usually is a lot of money and I would suggest you all definitely get on Nearpod. It is free right now to like June and it's such a good resource because they have a ELL library and that's one of the few things out there that has resources and PowerPoints and vocabulary geared towards ELL. So definitely consider that. And um, if your district has iReady, iReady is a good tool as well because they have what they call an iReady toolbox. Now, I know our district pays for it. I think it is extra. You have to check with your district, but they have an iReady toolbox. And in the iReady toolbox, they usually have like bilingual resources for your students. And in addition to that, you can download packets and send them home with your students. So that's why I'm liking iReady. And that's one of the things that our district is using. Like that is usually a district provided resource. But if your district does provide that resource for you, I would suggest that you use that one as well. Reading A to Z is free right now as well. You can set up a class. This is what our district is doing for our ELLs. They're setting up classes. And then after they set up the classes in Reading A to Z, we are assigning, um, we're assigning books to them quizzes, articles that they can read. And these are all things that they can do with their phone at their own pace. So those are like my go-to ones that I am using. If you are using something different, um, I know <laughs> if you're using something different, I really would suggest you put it in the comments. Um, but yeah, I, it, it, I ready is great if your district is using it. I'm pretty sure they're probably not offering anything free right now. Um, but I don't know, I could be wrong. You all definitely check it out. But most of the things I've seen for already, you, you do have to pay for it. Your district has to pay for it. Um, the next thing that I was, the question that we've been getting a lot is, I do not speak my, the home language of my students. How can I translate and actively contact them to update them on what's happening? Now, this is a question I had at first. This is a personal struggle because a lot of the parents, you don't, like, I don't speak, I speak survival Spanish. And so I've been really struggling with contacting the parents in their home language. I have one Vietnamese student contacting them in their home language. And one of the ways that I've been doing this is that first, the ESL office in our district has a bilingual mentor. So we have uh, a bilingual mentor that speaks Vietnamese. We have one that speaks Arabic and one that speaks Spanish. And so what we do or what the ESL office offered us is just to reach out to them and they can contact the parents for you. So even if you're in a school district, like we have a very high ELL population in our school district, but even if you're not in a school district that does not have a high population, contact your ESL supervisor because I'm not sure, but I think that they usually have somebody that they can support you in reaching out to the student. And so see if your ESL office, that maybe should be your first point of contact can reach out to the students, see if they can get somebody to, to translate for you and contact them on what's happening. The next thing is see if your district offers Transact. Now, Transact is a um, service where you go online and they have, <clears throat> excuse me, and they have uh, letters and contact information in about every language that you can think of. Like I said, that's something that the district provided to us. See if your district has Transact. I know a lot of school districts do. So see if they do and see if they have some a letter that you can maybe do by snail mail, meaning you can drop it in the mailbox, you can print out, you can send to the parents about how to contact you. The next thing is I'll remind and talking points. I have gotten a lot better response from my parents when I do it through text messaging. They can just text me right back if they're at work or, you know, if they're busy, I usually get a better response through text messaging. 
Now, I've been using Remind. I keep hearing over and over again how amazing Talking Points is. That's something that I have to dive into next year. I just cannot right now take on another uh, <laughs> another app. But if there's somebody in the comments that has that have been using Talking Points and they can speak to it, definitely share in the comments. But I keep hearing that Talking Points is similar to Remind. I know in Remind, I can send a text message to a parent I can hit a button that says um, language and it's like just, oh my God, it has to be at least 50 different languages on there. And you translate it and send it to the parents and I and the parents would trans send it back to me. And then of course I will have to go to Google translate to translate what they're saying back to me. But from that, I've been having conversations with parents and that's been really helpful and contacting them and letting them know what's going on. So check out Remind, check out Talking Points. Those are supposed to be really good applications that support you during this time or can support you during this time when you're trying to reach out to your parents. Now, the next question is, um, we've been getting to saying, I'm reluctant to use Zoom and Google Hangout. What do you suggest? Side note, our district just said we cannot use Zoom anymore because of the security issues. And so they set up, um, excuse me, they set up Microsoft Teams, so which we have to learn how to do that this year. But I looked into Microsoft Teams. If you don't, you're reluctant to use Zoom and Google Hangout. Microsoft Teams has, it's free actually. And they have live sessions, which is kind of like what I'm doing now, like a, like a webinar type thing. And Microsoft has that. And I noticed on there, you can send out a link. Now you can, the link you can require your people in your organization. Like that's what I'm going to do because the kids in our organization have an email but I noticed on there, there's a link that just says send it out and then people, the kids can log in and it's anonymous, but that's just the flip side of that. So I would suggest that you see if your district is using a Microsoft district and see if they have um, Microsoft Teams, but it is free even if you don't have it, but you just have to be mindful about how the students log in. The next thing that I've been really advocating is you can record your lessons um, through PowerPoint or you can use Screencastify. Oh, I just clicked off of it. Um, somebody, um, one of the teachers I work with, she says Screencastify has a free, um, a free uh, offer right now. So what you do is you just um, download the app and then you just talk like you normally talk. And then you click a button and it uploads to a private YouTube link and you can uh, send your students that private YouTube link. So that is an option. If you don't want to do Zoom, you don't want to do Google Hangout, you don't want to do Teams, you can still record your lessons and post it on YouTube via private link. And once again, I say YouTube because I know I'm in middle school. They all know how to access YouTube. Is You usually have YouTube apps on phones and it's easy for them to get to. And you can do a private link or an unlisted link on YouTube. That way it's not public and that everybody can't see it, okay? The next thing is, I would say, I call it old school. Back when I was growing up, we called three-way. Can you call me on three-way? <laughs> um, but use a conference call. See if you can do a conference call with a couple of kids and, you know, just have like maybe um, a small conversation with them, checking in on them. Try to do it that way if you don't want to do any of those. But I still would suggest that you record your lessons and post it on a private YouTube link. And don't underestimate a conference call. Just do a quick conference call with your students. You can do, you know, maybe like a quick little vocabulary quiz with them on the conference call. Um, it would be great if they can see it. So that's why I'm really advocating. If you don't want to use Zoom, Google, or Microsoft Teams, really just record your lessons and put them on a private YouTube link. And then you can have them say, hey, in the comments, 
I want you to share, give me some feedback, share your answers, all of that stuff too. And you can even go live on YouTube, just as a side note, you all, you can go live on YouTube and make it private. You have to just let the students know the private link beforehand, but you can go live on YouTube just like I'm doing right now. And when you go live on YouTube, there is a chat box at the side where the students can comment. The only thing I don't like about that is that I don't have any control over muting and unmuting far as I know. Like when I tried it once before, I didn't have any really control over who can speak and who can't speak. Um, but the, in the chat box rather, but you can do that. And there is a chat box on the side where people can comment. So that is an option if you want to, and you can make that private as well. Okay. The fourth question is how do I make my, and this is a really good one too. How do I make my virtual lessons interactive if I'm using zoom or teams? How do you make them interactive? Now, one of the ways that you can do that is you can use emojis for check-ins and learning targets. I have an example that I'm going to show you. That's why I put that in the notes, <laughs> show you all the examples. So you can use emojis and um, check for check-ins and learning targets. Kids love emojis. I love emojis. And that's one way. So if you have a lesson, if you're doing like maybe a mental health check-in to see how they're doing, you can have them, you know, use emojis for it and a learning targets. But I'll show you how to uh, do that in a minute. The next thing is a lot of teachers at my school are using online quizzes like Kahoot and Quizzes. So what they do is they'll have like the lesson up in like one app and then they'll say, okay, I want you all to go over to Kahoot or Quizzes. They use some, most of the times I've seen them do this at the end of the lesson. And then they say, okay, I want you to take a quiz on what you learned. That's one way to make it interactive. Once again, I'm advocating for Nearpod. Um, Nearpod, if you do a Nearpod lesson, there the kids log in. And then when they log in on Nearpod, there are, little, um, there are little things that they can do like, okay, they have like a whiteboard you can add. They have virtual uh, tours you can add in there. It's basically Nearpod is an interactive PowerPoint. <laughs> it's the best way to describe it. They have like a little cork board where they can put their comments in. It's a really great tool. I should have added that in there, but Nearpod makes your PowerPoints and your lessons interactive as well. Um, the next thing is Flipgrid. Okay, I'll show you an example of how I'm doing that, but I've been using Flipgrid to make them interactive as well. So what I do is like, I'll say, okay, you all, um, a good example was last week, I had like the daily lessons. And then I said at the end of the lesson, I'm like, okay, this is what I want you all to do. I want you to go over to Flipgrid and I want you to share out your paragraphs and I want you to comment on a another student's um, Flipgrid assignment. So I've been adding those in the lesson as well. Another thing that I do throughout the lesson is that I stop, like it's not really teacher-led, I'll stop. And then I'll say, okay, um, I want you all to share in the comments or share in the chat box um, your answer to this question. The good thing about Zoom, I haven't figured this out in Teams yet, is that they can send it to me privately and then I can say, okay, this is looking good. I'm seeing some good answers. But you can still pause, do those check-ins, like, you know, hey, what do you all think is the answer to answer B and then or question one? And I'll have them put it in the comment box. I also would suggest that you do bell ringers and do nows and have students share those out. So I had a do now or a bell ringer. It was like a puzzle of some sort. And then I have them share them out just that way. That make the lessons interactive as well. So I was telling you, oh, okay, one more thing I put on here. Um, using the audio feature. So with the audio feature, I had the student share the answer. So what I do was, or did was, 
I have the students come on the screen as a presenter. Let me kind of move this out the way for you all so you can see. Um, I have the students come on the screen as like a presenter and I have them share their workout as well. A side note is I work with an amazing art teacher and she does this as well. She does what she calls open studio for her students and the student, students will come and they will screen share their work. So that is also a way to make it interactive. I know in Teams, what, from what I've been exploring this week, and I know in Zoom, you can do like breakout sessions in groups as well. So those are some ideas. If other people have ideas that they would like to share in the comments, share those in the comments with other people because that will help me out. That will help other people out um, as well um, to help um, tell people about getting some ideas. How are you making your lessons interactive? Okay, how do you make your lessons interactive? I'm gonna stop for a moment to make sure that I'm looking in the comments okay because I have on one app. Um, yeah, some people are saying talking points. Um, I'm gonna scroll back up. Some people are saying talking points is really good and I cannot wait to use it next year. I cannot wait to use it next year. Um, and Jennifer was talking about Read Native Z. Yeah, Read Native Z is great. It's free right now, you all, it's free. And like I said, if it's free right now in this moment, the book, there are books in multiple languages. If your students do not have access to the internet, um, if they do not have access to the internet, then you can print the books out for your students and you may need, maybe have to mail them, see if your school can mail them for you and send them to them as well. Um, Yadira said Rosetta Stone is offering three month deals and it has mobile access and it's great for newcomers. Thank you for sharing it. We all know Rosetta Stone is so expensive. So thank you all for sharing it. Thank you all for those who are showing up. Um, yeah, uh, Robin and Jennifer mentioned Class Dojo um, and Talking Points, right? Our school uses Class Dojo as well. We're in middle school. I know it's really popular in elementary. Um, but they definitely use talking points as well. Tatiana, thank you for sharing those links. Uh, Transact, like I said, if you check out Transact, see if your district has it. Don't, before you try to go in there and maybe pay money, a lot of school districts offer Transact for free. So see that, okay? Um, you know what, Yadara, I don't know about Microsoft Teams work on a student Xbox, but I don't see why it wouldn't because I think Microsoft and Xbox are owned by the same people. That is a question um, that I'm going to have to find out because that's a really good question because that will help with more t people, more kids getting on and um, doing their work. <laughs> um, so I'm definitely writing that one down, you know, and I'll make sure to email you all with that one. Okay. Yeah. And some people mentioned Loom. Um Loom is a desktop app that you can use to record your, your screen. And what they do, which is same thing with Screencastify, screen, uh, Screenomatic, is that then you can upload it to a private link to YouTube and share, okay? Um, so let me go ahead. I'm gonna jump back over to the question. Um, oh, to, the, to show you the example. So some people are saying how to make it interactive. So this is the way I do it. I have what they call a mental health check-in. I do it in my classroom. I got it from this teacher. She's um, a SPED teacher. I can't think of her name, uh, but she does uh, a mental health check-in. And so that's something that I've been doing with them. And so as you can see here, 
All you have to do is an emoji. That's one of the ways that I'm making the lessons interactive. The next way that I'm making it interactive, I've talked about this before, um, but I do a target talk. And so in the target talk, you can see I have one, two, three, four on the side. They can use an emoji if they want to use the emoji to rate themselves or they can do it in a number. That's taking it off of me. That's putting it back on them. It's goal setting. And you see here it says, send me your rating in the chat box or drop them in the comments below. So the students send me their rating. So I'm constantly stopping asking them, okay, use an emoji, use a number. You know, tell me how you all are doing with this. Um, let me see if I can switch over to my computer screen. And what I'm going to do really quickly is show you um, how um, I'm thinking. Okay, so this is my Flipgrid. And then on my Flipgrid, you see here at the bottom, you see me um, and you see where I have a question and I have an answer. I mean, I leave a question and then the students respond. Hello, my name is Miss Williams and I am recording my sample paragraph. And my so I'll definitely leave that as an example for you all to see. But I'll have this, I'll say, hey, share your opinion paragraph on glass bridges. So they go in here and then they share their opinion paragraph on the glass bridges. So that's one of the ways that I am trying to make sure that I'm keeping things interactive for my students. Um, so let's go ahead and jump into the next one. I know some of you all are still using Zoom. Like I said, um, my district said, unfortunately, we cannot use it anymore. So we're moving over to Microsoft Teams. And so uh, these are some things that I've learned. I talked about this last week too, how you can keep your meetings secure. And I call them Zoom trolls, okay? Just people who have nothing better to do with their time to come on and just disrupt our class, right? <laughs> the first thing I tell, I told the people I work with at the time and other teachers, look, if you don't recognize the name, don't let them in the room. A lot of times people come in with iPhones. Um, in those instances, I may let the iPhone in, but they had to show me when, as soon as they come in, I would mute them, stop their video, and they had to immediately tell me who they were. And then I would rename them. Um, the second thing is you can enable the waiting room. This is done automatically now based on all the security issues. You can enable the waiting room and just make sure that when they're in the waiting room, you can send them messages like change your name. And then that gives you control of who can come into your class and who cannot come into your class. The next thing I suggest that everybody do is add a password to your meeting and avoid publishing that password on social media. So just send that password out privately to your students. I've had the most success with doing that. That way they don't know the password to get in, they can't get into the meeting. The next thing is uh, one of the things that was working really well for us is having two teachers in the room or in the Zoom room. And then that other teacher was the moderator. So they were looking at the comments. They were making sure everything was working well in the comments, that no one was being disruptive. No one was doing anything inappropriate. So reach out to see if you can have somebody kind of moderate the meeting. The next thing is allow only you to share the screen. So I have it set up to where only I can share my screen. You can even set it up if you're worried about the virtual background, because I had somebody Zoom bomb me and they had a virtual, this, this uh, planet virtual background. Even the students will have random backgrounds. You can have it to where they can turn off the virtual backgrounds too as well. And then the next thing I would suggest you do is turn off annotation. That is when they can write on your screen. So turn that off as well. And you can turn it on. I know math teachers like having it. 
but you can turn it back on if you need to, if you're having a class, but just make sure that you're following all of those um, procedures as well, okay? Now, um, the next question, um, once again, is another great question. It says, how can we support newcomers in our school? Our district model for six through eight is ESL with Spanish support. We have a handful of students that need more support and get translated classwork. I feel they're probably not getting any exposure to English at home. We don't have any resources for these students. So going back to that, right? One of the things that I would suggest that you do now is read, record read alouds to the students and upload those on YouTube as a private link, okay? That is one support that I would give to them. Like I said, a lot of people have phones that have that YouTube app on their phone and it can be a very powerful tool. I mean, you can make it a private link. You can send messages to them as well. Uh, the next thing I was going to suggest is going back to those free resources like Quizlet and Nearpod. You can create Quizlet lessons and you can do vocabulary lessons for them in, on Quizlet. You can, uh, and also you can have it in their native language as well on Quizlet. And you can, like I said, go use Nearpod, right? They have really cool newcomer lessons that you can use and both of those resources is for, are free and and they allow the parents to get exposure as well to those lessons, okay? The next thing that I would suggest that you use is free online book services that can be downloaded like an app, which is like Epic Books. The great thing about Epic Books is that it has a lot of bilingual books on there that you can use. You can read the books to the students. You can even assign the books in Epic if you wanna upload your classroom list and it provides bilingual support for the students, okay? So um, I want you all just to use those. And if there's somebody else in the comments that have any other things that they're using, please share those out. But those were the first three things that popped into my mind that what I would do, how you can support your newcomers. And most importantly, just I know you're already doing this, but just being there for them. You know, you can, once again, you can do a live stream to YouTube, or if you're using Microsoft Teams or Zoom, one of the things that one of our teachers done, did was he just, he was showed up and he did a check-in, he did a quick speaking activity with them and support them that way, okay? Um, let me know if you have a follow-up question to that, okay? I think that may have been, been Lauren. Um, Okay, hold on, did, did that answer, I think, uh, I hope I didn't do, okay. So um, the next question is, my school does not allow us to use live video conferencing. I'm required to record videos to send to my students, but most of my parents do not speak English. Since I cannot record lessons in Spanish, what are your suggestions for making sure that my parents understand enough to be able to help their students at home? Going back to what I mentioned earlier, Transact is a great tool um, that you can use. Use apps like Remind and Talking Point to help in translating instructions for the parents. When I do this, I want to note, when I use Remind and Talking, or if you use Talking Point, which is also in a text app, I don't send out like, um, and I, I'm doing this as well, I'm sending out a letter. The letter is like two pages long, and I had to translate it through our bilingual mentors. But when I'm doing um, Remind, I am sending really quick, simple, simple messages. So I'm trying to keep it as simple as possible for the parents. Because like for me personally, I when I get a text message and it's like this long, <laughs> I'm like, oh, whoa, that's a lot for me. 
So I'm one of those people, like, if you're sending me text messages, and I have friends that are like that too. They're like, just send me the long text message. But for me personally, I like the text messages <laughs> broken up into smaller chunks for me to digest it. So, and anyways, I think apps like Remind, anyways, you, I know with Remind, you have a limit that you can send anyways, um, as far as in one text message. So when you're doing that, break it up into small chunks for the parents. The next thing that I was going to show you is a visual direction sheet. And you can supplement this with Google Translate. I'm going to show you an example in a moment how to do that. So I'll talk a little bit more about that visual direction sheet. And reach out to your ESL office for support. See if there is anybody in the district, anybody at the ESL office, can they hire somebody? Um, a lot of times they have that bilingual support to support you and reaching out to those parents and giving them directions so they can understand at home. Um, I would even say if your office does offer uh, bilingual support, see if that bilingual support person can get on um can get on something like this where you can record the video or have them record a video and maybe upload it to a YouTube link and then send it out to parents that way. That way they can just click the link and they can see it. That way it's just one thing that they have to do really quickly. See if your bilingual support person can do that for you as well, okay? Now, you all, I mentioned a, um, a visual direction sheet. So one of the ways that you can do if you are having an activity or an assignment and I put that in the links for you all too. Um, let me see if I can go back up. And um, you all, it's some really, uh, thank you all for sharing these links for people in here. That's gonna be really helpful um, when other people come in later and see this. So thank you all for sharing these great links. Um, I'm sharing this visual direction sheet with you all. Um, let me put visual direction sheet. Okay, and then, uh-oh, I think I did something wrong. Hold on, delete message. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, oh, it wouldn't let me do it. Okay, so I'm thinking it's up here. I'm going to try one more time. Um, let's see if I can go do it this way. live let me see if i can switch over to google chrome and see hopefully you all can see it in a moment i think it's coming up so what i did with the visual direction sheet is that i created this i, I once again i do not want to overwhelm you all but if you want to know the tool that i use to create this then i can tell you all but you can do this in microsoft word like you don't it doesn't have to be anything fancy to do it but there is a tool that i use to create it um i don't know why it's acting weird but let me go back to the other one to the powerpoint and hopefully you all can see it better in the powerpoint um but one of the things that i did to create this tool was that you see that i took screenshots of the directions so one of the things that you can do is that if for example i want them to log into an app and so I did a, I took screen, I went through the screen, the app, and I just took a screenshot of each step that it takes. For example, 
you can, I left this in English, but I'm pretty sure Google Translate has gotten a lot better from when I was taking Spanish about eight, nine years ago, from what I'm understanding and from what I've used. You can use Google Translate. These are like simple things, right? You can use Google Translate and translate this into Spanish or Vietnamese or whatever the home language that you need to. At the same time, you see that I have steps of how I am asking the parents to log in. So that's something that is, you know, out the box that you can use. And if anything, they can look at the photos. The parents can look at the photos and like, oh, okay, I'm supposed to be at this step right here. Oh, I see that I'm supposed to be doing this here. So you can do something really simple with this. Like I said, you don't have to use the app that I used, which was Snagit. It's free as well uh, right now. But you don't have to use this app. I like this app because I can turn it into a video for parents if I need to. And also Snagit allows me to do a uh, record my screen and do things like this. So that's why I'm using Snagit over Screencastify because it allows me to do a little bit more. And so this is something that you can do for your parents as well. Okay. So um, let me go over to the questions and see if anybody has any questions. And thank you all, as I said, for being supportive um, as well. Um, yeah, um, I can go ahead, Kim, and I can um, send you all the PowerPoint with all the resources as well. Um, so let me go back up. It says, how can I make this time when the language supporting, I think I answered this one. Okay, so Jennifer asks, how can I make sure that my ELLs are getting English practice during this time when the only language spoken at home is their native language, Spanish? Jennifer, one of the things that I would suggest that you're using during this time are some of those resources that we mentioned. I would always go back to Quizlet. You know, they can use Quizlet at home as well. And it is a trust thing. You're going to have to trust that you know, that they're they're practicing their English at home. One of the things, Jennifer, that I would suggest you also do is use Reading A to Z. Reading A to Z is a really good tool because for one, you want to see that they're practicing. So with Reading A to Z, it allows you to see their progress. Once again, this is a free tool right now. Reading A to Z has an app for Android and iPhones. So you can set up your class, Jennifer, in Reading A to Z, you can see that they are logged on. You can see that they're practicing their fluency. You can see that they are practicing their read or reading at home. You can assign assignments. You can do quizzes. So Jennifer, my gut is saying you really probably want to use something like Reading A to Z. Um, that way you kind of can see their progress over time. And that is a free app that you can use during this time. And once again, like for me, um, I'm just trying my best to trust that they're doing everything that they can do at home. And that goes back as well as getting the parents on board and contacting the parents. Um, the next thing, let me on my web because my computer, <laughs> I'm asking my husband to bring over the charger. <laughs> uh, charger. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, um, this is a really good question. Robin says our district, she said, unfortunately, <laughs> our district uses Zoom, but I'm supposed to have office hours. What does this mean? Office hours means, Robin, that when you keep, you have a set time of day that you are available in Zoom. So how that will look is you will send a message out and say, hello, parents, 
I'm available for help and support in Zoom from 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. And you will create a Zoom meeting and just are there. <laughs> you would just go in, create a meeting, and you're just there, and you're just waiting for the kids to come in and come out during that meeting. Um, we actually, that's actually, as far as the office hours, that's really good. You may have kids that show up, and you may have kids that, you know, unfortunately, that just do not show up. But basically, Robin, you're just creating a meeting in Zoom. You're available for them if they need your support during that time. If there's anybody, our district didn't require office hours, but there is anybody in here who uh, district that required office hours and can offer Robin some ideas or suggestions, definitely do that and drop those in the comments for her. Okay. Um, yeah, somebody says, do you know an easy way to add subtitles to a pre-recorded lesson on YouTube? Effie, I do. I cannot, it's an app. Effie, and I cannot think of the app that you use because I'm in a group where a lot of people um, use YouTube subtitles because I guess they're YouTube influencers and they use an app. Also, Effie, I do know this off the top of my head. It's called Rev, R-E-V, Rev. And uh, what you can do, Effie, is you can take your YouTube video Uploaded into Rev, R-E-V, and Rev transcribes what you're saying. It's a transcription service. It's another one that a lot of people use. They pay money for it, though. But this one, I'm thinking you can probably use it free a few times. Um, or And what it does, uh, Effie, is that it transcribes your video for you. And it's R-E-V, um, YouTube trans transcription service. Um or I know YouTube, and I know you don't want you to. I know you uh, don't want to. I wouldn't want to do this because it's really time consuming. Is you can go through the video frame by frame and transcribe it yourself. That's gonna take a lot of time. Um, but it's called REV, and I can't think of the other one. Um, Rev. Um, I put it in the comments. I'm gonna find out, Effie. I hope you're on my email list, and then I'll send that one out to you. Okay. Um. So, and I'll put on here, uh-oh, <laughs> I think I clicked off of something. Okay, um, I hope it comes to me, but I'll uh, definitely email Effie that other one that the, I know it's a little bit more expensive, but they say that the transcription on it is a lot better. Um, but I'll send that one out to you. But I know Rev is the cheapest one. I think it's about three, 10 cents a minute or something like that to get it transcribed, Okay. Um, and I'll put this on here, Rev. <laughs> okay. Are there any other questions? Let me see. Look in the comments as well. Um, to see. Um, oh. Yeah. So is it a problem for people to jump in who I don't want to be in my office? <laughs> yeah, that is a problem, right? Because, and, 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 and that thing is, it may be just other students who just want to come in, you know? The good thing is you have the waiting room, the waiting room. And with the waiting room is you can allow your students in one by one or you can remove them. The thing about it is, though, if you remove somebody, a lot of just make sure it's your students that you're removing. Um, they cannot come back in. That happened to one of the teachers. She accidentally removed the student came in with a nickname and she removed them because she didn't want them in because she didn't know who it was. And they couldn't get back in the room. So just make sure you you set up the uh, setting on Zoom 
to where the kids, if they're removed, they can come back in. But yes, um, yes, uh, Solomon, I am recording um, this meeting. And then you can come back to the same link and you can see it. Um, yeah, yeah, it is a struggle for middle school students. Um, middle school is just such an interesting uh, <laughs> place to be is the best way to uh, describe it. One of the things, Solomon, that I've been, I've found a lot of help is getting the parents on board. That's the first thing with middle school. I think elementary school, most parents are already probably on board. You know, high school, the kids are motivated a lot of times because they want to graduate. And so one of the things that I would suggest, Solomon, go to the parents first, using some of those resources like your bilingual mentor, that remind, letting them know what's going on. Because a lot of times I notice with my middle schoolers is that I tell them something and I say, okay, just let your parents know. And conveniently, they don't let their parents know. Of course, or, you know, like, of course, I'm not going to let my parents know I have to be here. So I've had a really good turnout. I um, have a, I'm a, kids that I actually see in my classroom are about 30. I, out of that 30, I've seen about 25 of them. And the reason I have seen so many, I believe, is because I have been bugging the mess out of the parents with Remind, sending them a message. Every time I have a meeting, 10 minutes before the meeting, I tell the parents by Remind, I'm having a class in 10 minutes. I would like so-and-so to be there. And they'll text back, okay, I'll make sure that they're on the computer or on the phone at this time. So that would be my first suggestion is get the parents on board. They're usually kind of trying to back up a little in middle school. And a lot of times I hear parents in meetings say, hey, I don't want to be too pushy because I know they're getting to middle school, but I want to be involved. So just get the parents involved with those Remind app, okay? Um, so let's see. Uh, okay, Kim, you're so welcome. We have two students and also hours to answer parents' questions. And Kim says, then we have to arrange to help students, IEP meetings, collaborate with general educators, and attend Zoom meetings. I'm working on a computer six and a half to seven hours daily. And Kim, that is a struggle as well. Um, week before, was it last week? Week before last, I was like, Kim, I was on the computer all day long, all day long. It was so overwhelming. I was like, oh my goodness, this is a lot. Um, and then Kim says, we have two office hours to answer parents' questions per day. Yeah, and I'm curious to see, like I said, people in my district who, uh, who have to do office hours, because some teachers have to do office hours. They're saying that they just have to be on Zoom and be available. And she, they were saying that sometimes people show up to them, sometimes people don't show up to them. And they're just there and they're available for them. Um, yeah. Oh, Maria, that's a good idea. Maria said Padlet. Padlet to... Um, use interactive responses. That is a really good idea. Yeah. Um, if you all have not used Padlet, it's free. And um, you can go on there. And yeah, and the kids can post their answers on Padlet. So Maria, thank you for sharing that. That is such a um, good idea to do that. One of the things, if I have you all's permission, I'm thinking, I'm checking right quickly, is that I can see about exporting the chat box because there are so many people in here who have got good resources. Like somebody says, a free social studies website. Most lessons are for higher ELLs, but a teacher may, uh, Maria shared this too as well, a teacher may want to use it in a presentation. So um, this 
is a really good idea. So what I'm going to do, you all are um, gave some really good suggestions. So what I want you to do is I'm going to export the chat log with all of these ideas as well. And of course, the video is going to be uploaded. You can come back here to watch the video if you need to. And I am going to make sure that this is available to you all as well. Okay, so I don't see any more questions. I want you all to know that you all are great people to be here, great educators to be here on a Saturday in this session. And I want to thank you for everything that you're doing. Thank you for joining me this week on Adventures in ESL. Make sure to visit my website, myadventuresinesl.com for some freebies and special gifts. You can also subscribe to the show so you will never miss an episode. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, I appreciate it if you provide a rating on iTunes so more ESL teachers can learn strategies and tips. Thank you so much for tuning in today and remember to stay positive and always have high expectations for your English language learners. See you soon.